start somewhere. Um, we'll start silly, is where we'll start. So that's a question. I will ask a question. If you have an answer, go ahead and raise your hand, and I'll call upon you, and you'll give your answer. It's like we're in school again. Tell me, share with me, if you will, your favorite action movie. What do you got? What's an action movie? What do you got? The Born Identity. That's a good one. That's a real good one. P13, solid. Demolition Man. How old are you, dude? That, were you even born when that came out, man? Um, I saw that in the theater. I remember waiting. I remember seeing the trailer. And I was like, you know, Stallone and Snipes. I was pumped. Um, what else you got? What else? Action movie you really like as you've grown up in this world? Commando. Oh, my gosh. Commando in the back. The opening scene with Schwarzenegger carrying that log on his shoulder. Maybe the most manly I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so we named a few action movies. We named Born Identity. We've named Demolition Man. We named Commando. And in these movies we're talking about, they all kind of have this, a similar theme, okay? The, 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 the basic American action film always has the lone, single hero. Jason Bourne is the man. Stallone is the man. Schwarzenegger is the man. And the man, like Commando, it's Schwarzenegger versus an entire island of bad guys, and he stands alone and takes them all out. And this is, this, um, as Americans, we love this story. Think about our Westerns. Our Westerns are always a guy comes into town on a horse by himself, and he's the baddest dude in the whole world. That, that is the American action film. And as Americans, that story has rubbed off on us. We as a nation, as a culture, as a people, we are rugged individualists. We, at some point in many of our lives, we have said the words, maybe pouting, maybe in anger, maybe in defiance, we have said the words, I don't need nobody, I can do it myself. We've all said it. That's the American way. I don't need nobody, I do it myself. That American ideal flies in the face of the world God created. We tend to be very much isolationist, individualists, but God says it is not good for people to be alone. God has made us in his image, and we need community. We desperately need community. Tell how much we need community. I've been approved as a chaplain to Genesee County Jail, so I go up there probably once a week. But every other week I go up there. Our, so our church sends teams into the jail like every other month. And we'll bring people in, we'll like testimony, we'll speak, we'll do music, and we meet all these different guys who are guys and girls who are in the jail waiting to, to stand before a judge. And once in a while... Someone will say, hey, Pastor, can you come back and see me? I'm like, hey, sure. Sign a little thing, request me, I'll come and see you. One guy said, hey, Pastor, I'd like to talk to you. I'm like, I, you know, put my name down, I'll come and see you. And he said to me, I've met a lot of people in my life in the jail, and no one has ever come to see me. They said they would. No chaplain, no pastor, no one's ever come back to see them. 
So I, I, I made a note. I'm coming to see this guy. I'm not going to let him down. I came to see the guy. We, we hang out every, like, every two weeks. I come on and see him. We hang out. I'm the only outside person this guy sees in his life. He's in jail. And this guy is a hard ex-con. He has that exterior, that, that, that I've been in jail, I've been in prison, I'm tough as nails, here is my wall. But sometimes it's just us talking, we'll pray together. I'll watch the Lord soften that hard man's heart. That simple act of community, talking to someone, praying to the Lord, it's like it breaks through that hard exterior. And we all need that. We all need people in our lives. We cannot make it on our own. And so God in his kindness has created something called the church. We are meant to be a community. Now, in 1 Peter, Peter is writing to the church that's scattered. Jerusalem, the great city, has been destroyed by Rome. The verse begins, the end of all things at hand, meaning our city just got burned to the ground, and we're all running away from death at the swords of the Romans. It feels like the end of the world for us. And he's going to say to all the Christ followers what life should be like with other believers. Today's sermon is called One Another. And I'm going to talk about why it's so important for every one of us to be part of a church. Now, Every one of us, when we become a Christian, we start following Jesus, we become part of the big C church. When you meet Jesus, you're part of the global, universal church, okay? You're all part of the big family of God. The Lutherans, the, the Methodists, the Mennonites, the Baptists, we're all part of this big, dysfunctional family. It's great. But the Bible also very much encourages us to not just be part of the idea of the family, but to join a local expression of God's family, a little c local church. Every one of us need a community of faith. We need a community of faith, a people who love Jesus and know our name. And the reason we need it, Peter's going to tell us three reasons why we need a church family. First, verse 8. Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The first thing a church family does for one another is they love one another. This is Jesus' claim to fame. Jesus came and loved sinners. That's what he did. He said things like, the well have no need of a doctor. I have come for the sick. Jesus loved sinners, and sinners loved him back, just so you know. 
And he told his followers, as I have loved you, you love others. And they will know you are my followers by your love. The early church, the early church was known. It grew tremendously fast because the people of the community loved one another so well. Outsiders said, why do these people love each other so much? That's so crazy. I want to be a part of a community that loving, that, that warm. We are called to love one another, to give a rip about each other, to be committed one to another. And the reason why, he says this, you got to love one another. <laughs> Since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Here's the reality. When I say, be a part of a church, when I say, be committed to a church, I know there's resistance immediately. And you know why I know that? Because a lot of people have been hurt by local churches. Hurt bad. We have a lady at Eastside who comes to our church. I, I knew she was probably going to church for a long time. I said, why don't you go into your home church anymore? She's like, well, the pastor made a pass at me. She's like, I don't go there anymore. That will hurt your spirit when your spiritual leader tries to use his spiritual authority to take advantage of you. The church does hurt people, and the church has hurt many of us. But here's the reality. Jesus says, love covers a multitude of sin. I love this idea. I love this truth. Um, I have two children. Um, this week, my kids had an impromptu spring concert. I say impromptu because the school told me a week before, like, every parents, we're doing a concert next Thursday. I'm like, what? You got to give a family heads up. But they didn't give us nothing. It was like, there's a concert. And my daughter was singing a song in the concert. She had like a special, like, duet in the concert. And I already had something scheduled that I couldn't move. Even the morning of, my daughter's like, Dad, are you sure you can't come? I dropped my kids to school. My daughter's like, Dad, are you sure you can't come? She wanted me to come and see her sing her song in front of all the peoples, right? Wants her dad to be there in the front row, like, whoop, whoop. She wants me there. I didn't make it. And I knew it disappointed her. It made her sad. That's small. On a larger scale... In my impatience, in my carelessness, I have said harmful words towards my children. I have said, why are you so dumb? And I've watched their little faces wounded by those words. I have failed and will fail my children. But here's the reality. 
I love my kids. And they know that I love them. And that love, we have for another, let's just have grace one to another. They forgive me because they're like, Dad's an idiot, but he loves me. Aw. You know what I'm saying? Like it, we, the love is bigger than the mistake. You know what I'm saying? The love covers the multitude of mistakes, of foolishness. How many of us have family members who have done us dirty? Done us dirty. Have family like thinking, took our money, lied to us, gossiped, told the secret, and we still love them because, you know, you did do me dirty, but you my brother. Well, it's Because it's, 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 love, not my, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's not really Tony or Jesus. Um, <laughs> love covers a multitude of sins. We are committed to each other because here's the reality. We are going to fail each other. Us in this room, online, we are going to fail each other. I'm going to say things you don't like. People have called me after sermon and said, did my wife tell you to say that? I'm like, no, nah, man, the Holy Spirit, he, he, he done, he done thinking, ratted you out, boy. No, I don't know. But uh, people have gotten mad at me for this I've said. And I'm going to say things. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to be insensitive and considerate. It's going to happen. But because we are lovingly committed to one another, our love for each other keeps us bound together. And we need that binding. The reason we need community so badly, and I'm talking long-term extended community, the reason we know we need this so bad, when I uh, go meet someone for the first time, and it's new, they don't know me, I don't know them, all the old jokes are brand new. They laugh. Oh, it's a funny joke because all your dumb jokes are like, they don't know your dumb jokes. So you tell them for the first time, like, you're so clever. <laughs> you know? Um, but as you get to know each other, the jokes get old, right? You've told me that story 14 times, Ernesto. Thanks for telling me again. Over time, people start seeing through your garbage. They start seeing who you really are. Not just what you pretend to be, but your, actually, your actual heart. And we need that. I need to be seen and I need to see. We need to love one another. We need, the reason we need to be part of a church is we got to love one another. We, in this life, we need to be loved. We need to be known. In America, we're too good at leaving at the first sign of any kind of hardship. Relationships are hard. Every best friend I got, at some point in our friendship, we yelled at one another. And we got through it, and we're closer afterwards. Here in the church, we're going we're gonna to fail one another, hurt one another, because we're, lovely, because we're lovingly committed one to another, and because love covers that multitude of sins, we're allowed to walk together in this life Continue to care and know one another. Love one another. We need the church because we need a place to love and be loved. Then Peter says this. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So the church, we need to show hospitality to one another. 
We need to be hospitable one to another. Now, what does it mean to be hospitable? I always thought this meant you got to invite people over for coffee at your house. That's what I thought this meant. But what if you don't got a house? Or what if you don't like coffee? Like, what do you do if you don't have those two things? Hospitality in the Bible is way bigger than inviting someone to your house. The word hospitality comes from two Greek words that means loving the stranger. That word, loving the stranger, then over time came to be known as a, a home for strangers, but then over time it became known as a place for healing, hence where the word came for, for hospital, a place for healing. Hospitality is simply that thing within a person that allows them to open their lives to others. I open my life to other people. I let other people into my world and accept them. That's being hospitable. I let other people into my world. And I go into their world. That is what it means to be hospitable. I open my life. And when someone opens their life to me, I receive that honor and step into their life. That's a beautiful thing. Jesus shows us how powerful this truth is. In Jesus' day, the Jewish people, they had a lot of laws of who you could and could not eat with. And the reason for this was the Jewish people said, you must be a devout, faithful Jew who's living close to God for me to break bread with you. You must believe, and then you can belong. That was their whole thing. If you're a good Jewish believer, you belong to me and mine. But if you're not a good believer, you can't come in my house. You can't meet my wife and kids. Stay away from us. You must believe before you can belong. But Jesus flipped that script. He believed... You can belong way before you believe. And Jesus always, he had no house. He always went to, people would say, come to my house. You'd be like, sweet. And he'd go to their house. He, when someone said, come into my life, he would graciously enter their world and hang out with them and break bread with them and say, listen, I accept you. I receive you. I am willing to break bread with you. And the Jews freaked out about it because Christ believed you can belong way before you believe. And he brought all kinds of sinners back to his father. In the same way, that's a powerful thing when you open your life to other people. We don't just come to church on a Sunday and sit in our corner and sneak in and sneak out and say, I did my duty for the Lord. We have to open our lives one to another. We need spiritual friendships. We got to have them. It's hard out there. Every day the TV tells us there is no God. Christ did not die for your sins. You're all alone. Be afraid. Every day we're told that lie. I need people in my life who tell me, there is a God, and he does love you, and you are not alone. We need that. We have to open our lives to each other, and when someone invites us into their life, we need to be grateful and walk into their lives as they invite us in. 
He invited to a birthday party or a wedding. It's, I love that the Peter says, do it without grumbling. Every Thanksgiving and Christmas, you want to hear all day? Grumbling. Got to go see my mom on Thanksgiving. It's one day a year, man. You can't handle seeing your mama for one day a year? You're going to grumble for the next two, three weeks? Though at the day before Thanksgiving is the biggest party of the year? Got to see my mom. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's what, we're crazy people. We grumble like nobody's business. Got to go to a wedding tomorrow. Oh, someone loves you and wants you to share a special day and you're complaining about it? What the crap's our problem? We grumble about everything. Instead of grumbling, we can say, man, I am glad I get a share in people's lives. I get invi- I've been invited to like one-year-old birthday parties. People would say, well, they're not going to remember it. It's okay. We can go with friends and have a birthday cake and a kick and go blah, blah, blah. And we can just share some laughter in life, and it's a good thing. Instead of complaining all the time about everything, we should be thankful we need to share life with good people we love. Do it without grumbling. Hospitality is not something we do to score points with God. It's meant to be part of who we are. Our lives are open to each other. I got to drive a really cool truck. It's the church truck. It says Flint City Church on the side. <laughs> Driving that truck, everyone knows it's me. Big red truck, Flint City. I'm telling you, I can't listen to rap music in that truck anymore. Let me tell you that right now. Like, I, I can't, everyone knows it's me. Uh, Pastor, that's is that Eminem. No, nah, man. That's uh, Lecrae, baby. Shoot. No, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Being in the church truck, I'm always being approached by people all the time. Hey, Pastor, man, you got a dollar? If I'm at a light, got, Pastor, you got a dollar? You got, a, you got an apple? You got anything? I could be like, people always bothering me, knocking on my window, saying hi to me. But I'm not called to just be nice to people when they leave, be like, man, I'm glad they're gone. I'm called to have a heart where my life has this posture of openness. When I see people, I don't see inconveniences. I don't see, I don't see someone in my and go, gotta duck that person, they don't see me. I see people, and I'm meant to, we're meant to see people and say, this is someone whom the Lord loves and whom I know, and this is awesome. Show hospitality. We gotta open our lives to each other. We gotta let one another in. We can't just come to church and leave and let no one know who we are. I don't know nobody's name. They don't know my name. I just come and go, and no one knows me. And if I were to die tomorrow, no one would know or care. Out in stinking uh, Byron Gaines out there, some poor lady had a heart attack in her car. She pulled out of her house. She got in her car, had a heart attack. And she was so alone in the world, no one knew she was gone for over a month. She sat in her car, in her driveway, dead, and no one knew. And all her pets, her cats, her dogs, her horses, all starved to death because no, she was the only one taking care of them. Living alone, that's an awful life. If you're gone, nobody knows it. But if you open your life to others and they know you, 
If you start drifting, someone's going to see it and say, Are you okay, man? Are you okay, ma'am? You all right? Opening our lives is a good thing. Being seen, being known is a good thing. Show hospitality one to another. And lastly, he says in verse 10, Peter says, And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Use the things God has given you to serve one another. As Americans, we are consumers. God forbid. In the suburbs, I used to work in the suburbs. I used to passion the suburbs. You know what most church growth strategies are in the suburbs? This is no lie. <laughs> I went to a conference on church once, and a famous pastor in America said, if you follow these five steps, your church will grow, I guarantee it. He said, if you have the best band and the best kids program and the most dynamic speaking, people will leave the old and moldy churches around you and come to your church, and you'll be the cool church. Someone raised their hands. Isn't that cannibalism? Aren't you cannibalizing other churches? He's like, it is cannibalism. But the, the, the guy said, but they're doing it worse, so let them ride. Do what you, you are awesome. Take the people. So most suburban church growth strategies are based on consumers. We're going to have a better product. We have better lights, cooler fog. Dude, listen, we're terrible at being consumers here at Flint City Church. We're in a basement, okay? And we're, it's, it's very much a basement. It's not very nice. It's hot, and it's going to get hotter. Um, like, we're down here. And it's like I'm wearing jeans and I made a mistake. Like it's, it's hot in here. But many of us come back because we're not coming here because of AC. Our chairs aren't comfortable. Plastic, hard, no cushions. You're welcome. <laughs> the kids are upstairs. It's, it's, it, it's a mess. But most churches grow by trying to cater to consumers. Here's a good product. Please like it and stay. We're not meant to be takers. We're not meant. Church is not a TV show. We don't come and sit and eat popcorn like, it's a good movie. Rom, rom, rom. That's not what it is. It's a family and we're meant to serve one another. God has given us all different talents and gifts and skills and we're supposed to use them to help each other. Every, five, every fifth Sunday, every fifth Sunday is family Sunday. Four times a year we have a family Sunday. Do you know why we do family Sunday? It's not because I want kids chirping in the auditorium. That's not why we do it. We love the kids. That's not why we do it. We do family Sunday because we have some volunteers in the nursery. It's the only day a year they can come in church and hear the service. Because the fact of the matter is, it's, every church in America has the same problem. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Most people come to church and sit and watch and say, feed, Miss Simon, and just eat it all up. <laughs> 
and most of us give nothing back. And a lot of volunteers give sacrificially. Let me tell you a story. When I was in high school, I went to Mott High, uh, Waterford Mott, out in Waterford, Michigan. And at lunchtime, Taco Bell was in the, in the, in the cafeteria. Taco Bell, one of the lines, remember Taco Bell was in Mott? It was great. And one of my buddies, the legendary JR, was the greatest mooch I've ever known. Every day, people would go through lines for Taco Bell, and he always asked for the spare change. Oh, we got 35 cents, we have 35 cents. He'd ask everyone he knew. He'd walk around the table, then we got a spare change, get all the spare change, collect enough spare change, he'd go and buy himself a bell every day. Every day he bought lunch, and he never brought money to school, ever. Not one time. He was the greatest mooch I ever saw. And he told me this secret. I'm like, how does no one get annoyed at you asking for your spare change? He goes, Ernesto, here's the secret. He goes, if a lot give a little, then a little don't got to give a lot. He's like, I ask for quarters from everybody, and no one feels a quarter going away. If I ask one dude for four bucks every day, he'd be annoyed as crap. But I ask everyone for 25 cents, and no one even notices I took all their money. Listen, as a church, a lot of our volunteers never get a week off. I don't want them to burn out. There's a lot of giftedness in our church family. And some of us need to get motivated and say, you know what? I, I do have things to offer. I want to help our family of faith in any way I can. So how can you help? How can you serve? Well, first, our nursery needs workers to hold babies or play with toddlers. Even one time a month would help give some people a break. They'd come to church maybe once a month or every other, every other month. That would be a great gift to give some of our nursery workers. We need someone to drive the van for us on Sundays. Right now, I got a guy driving the van. He works six days a week. His one day off, he got to get up early and go drive the van. If we had someone say, listen, once a month, I'll drive the van, get people, and give my buddy, give my boy, he can sleep until 10, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? We need people to help with security. People just to make sure our babies are secure. We, we need help with technology. If you're, if you're tech-oriented, if you've got a brain for computers, we could use your help. Musically, here's a real one for you. Ricky and Megan had a baby this week, and we're grateful for them. Six years ago, when Flint City started, I started, I called Ricky Spiller. I said, Ricky, what are you doing right now? Where are you serving? He's like, ah, nah, no, we're doing nothing. I'm like, you want to serve at Flint City when we start this new church? You want to lead worship? He's like, sure. And he works a full-time job, Ricky does. And for six years, he's led worship every single Sunday here. He works a full-time gig. On Sunday, comes early, leads worship. It's been great, but he's, over six years, he's gotten tired. He's just tired. And so he said, my baby's coming. He's like, I, can I take the summer off and just rest? I'm like, take the summer off and just rest. So Ricky's going to rest. He'll be here, and he'll be singing along, pumped to not have to, like, 
organize and write everything. He gets, a, he gets to have a summer of rest. And what's amazing, what's amazing is that God took care of this because we have three campuses, basically, as a church. We have our uh, Carriage Town, the homeless shelter we go to every day. And for the last year, Cullen and Katie have done worship every day, every Sunday, early morning at the Carriage Town. And they, had just, they, just, they just minister to all those homeless people. It's awesome. And Jesus, in the back, on the, on the electric guitar, he went to Eastside, leads to Eastside every single Sunday. And I watched his conference go as he led. And then, you see Mr. Tony's been helping to lead. God, one day he told me, you know, Pastor, I used to lead if you ever need help. Look, he's like, I need a summer off. I'm like, ha-ha! You know, I remember he said that. Um, a funny story. Um, I'm sorry, Tony. Um, Tony led, and his son saw him leading. And at home, he was playing guitar, practicing. His son says, Dad, you sang last week. He's like, yeah, I did. He goes, Dad, I don't want you to be a pop star. And I was like, that's great. That's, that's, uh, that's, I didn't get to teach you with just Tony as a pop star. Just, I don't know, something, someone do something with that. Um, but now for the next summer, for the summer, Colin and Katie and Jesus and Tony and our good friends, Mike and Amanda Lovett, are going to share worship duties to let one of our guys have a rest for the summer. How awesome is that? It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that needs to happen. And thank God there were people willing to carry the burden for that to happen. We have a few more ladies having babies this summer who need some time off. We could use some help in the nursery. So nursery, security, tech, music ministry, driving the van. If you're good with people, love people, help with the host team, our hospitality team, greeting people and saying hi to people. If you're not currently serving anywhere in the church, consider maybe serving somewhere. We could use your gifts. Even once a month, we won't use you and abuse you. We kind of promise. <laughs> no, we, we're going we're gonna, to, once a month all we ask. We'll train you. And listen, when you serve with people, you get to know all kinds of great people. You serve on these great teams. Like, if you're in the band, you get to know all these crazy people. It's hilariously fun. <laughs> Miss Katie shaking her head, yes. Um, if you serve in the nursery, you get to know some incredible people back there. And you get to meet everyone's awesome kids. And everyone's kids are so different. And <sighs> It's great. If you want to serve in uh, elementary school, my kids are in elementary school. They come home and tell me all the time about who's teaching them this week and what they taught them. I love that so many people in our church have blessed my children as they've grown up into, into young adults. Well, not young kids. Older kids. I don't know what they are. The point is made, though. If you want to serve, so if, you're on, if you're watching online and you're somewhere else, you can go to our, go to our website, flintcitychurch.com slash serve and set up online. If you're here in-house, you can go to the table right over there and say, I want to serve. Here's my name. I want to serve in this ministry. And we'll call you this week and get you on-ramped into ministry. Love one another. Show hospitality one to another. Serve one another. He says this. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Because here's the reality. Whatever gifts God has given you, He's not given you 
to hide or to hoard. God has given you what he's given you to be a blessing to others. I'll also say this. I'll also say this. I meet some believers. I'm not saying none of you said this, but I meet a lot of Christians out there. And they say, Pastor, I'd love to serve, but only in this one way, the way I feel gifted. That's, that's not cool. Service is not doing what I want, how I want, when I want. Serving is saying, what is a need I can help with? And being willing to help in that way. That's what true service is. People come to me all the time. People call me, Pastor, I'd love to come to your church and do this one ministry. Can I do it? I'm like, no. Come here, work in the trenches, and earn the right to talk. Otherwise, get out of my house. Blah, blah. Um, I'm not that mean. But man, do I wish I could be. Uh, <laughs> I haven't that mean once, but then it doesn't once, okay? So, love one another, hospitality one to another, serve one another. Let us serve one another, church. It's going to be a great summer. We're working on getting more fans. It's going to be a hot one. We, we're going to bust out next week the, the, the uh, inner city Flint church fans to, to fan yourself. It's going to be great. But with that said, let's go ahead and pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for how good you are and for giving us this thing called the church. And I know she is not perfect. It's easy to point out her flaws. But we got to love your church enough to stay and fight for it. For this thing called Flint City, those of us here in this place, let us be committed one to another. Let us care for each other. Learning one another's names, standing with one another in those times of trial, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. Thank you for this thing this church family has given us. And Lord, uh, you do your thing, moving hearts. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.